Angela Bowen here, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. <laughs> My goodness, see, I have so many podcasts going right now, I cannot keep track of them. <laughs> um, yeah, today we are doing a fun episode. Last week was a sad episode with Evelyn Returns, the return of Ricky's mother. Now this one's a fun one. Season 1, Episode 7, entitled The Great Computer Caper, which aired on November 6th, 1982. Ricky tries to impress a student reporter by hacking into a security... uh, into a secret military computer site, but the FBI closes in after the material ends up in the school newspaper. The boys decide their only way out is to hitch a ride on a tramp steamer. Well, running away is never the answer. I'll tell you that right now. And the fact that the boys are doing this on Edward's computer. That means Edward could be held liable too. Because the computer is registered in his name. <clears throat> but I don't know. I haven't seen the episode. So <laughs> I guess I'll, we'll, we'll find out together. This episode on IMDb has a 7.3 out of 10 rating based on 31 ratings. This episode was also directed by Jack Shea and writers David W. Duklin, the creator, and six other people. There is actually a user review, which I want to read this first because I know if I don't do it now, I'm going to end up forgetting all about it. So let's do that. (laughs) And it's a long one. Eh, What's going on? There we go. Okay. The review. Let's see. 10 out of 10. 80s hacker, in quotes, hacker culture silver spoon style. By J-Bab. J-A-Y-B-A-B-B. And this, actually, this review was done, like, over eight years ago. Okay. This episode is one of my top ten faves from season one. It is known as a crossover episode in which a character from another show, in this case, Gary Coleman's character Arnold Jackson from Different Strokes, appears in another show. Here, Arnold is a reporter for his school newspaper, the PS89 Weekly Woodpecker, who has somehow found out about his top-notch computer skills. Keep in mind that this was 1982. Windows and the internet as we know it today was years away, and that he has won an award at a computer camp. Okay, who's won the award? Are we talking about Ricky here? I mean, we know Ricky is a whiz because he transferred money from that um, accountant guy who was actually a crook in the first, you know, in the pilot episode. Ricky was able to transfer the money from that man's bank account into Edward's. 
Ricky uses a rather complex code consisting of a series of numbers and letters to hack into a military computer file that has blueprints of a fighter jet. Arnold then publishes them in his newspaper and is paid a visit by the FBI. They then stow away on a ship that is helmed by Captain Stark, John Anderson, played by John Anderson. He tells them what it's like on the high seas and they decide to go home and face the Music Sea episode to see how things work out. This episode is an example of why Ricky Stratton is one of my favorite characters in any TV show. Even though he is very smart, he is not portrayed as a nerd nor a smart aleck. Know it all. I can tell you how many TV shows and movies portray computer whiz kids as computer geeks or nerds. This show is a refreshing departure from that. Well, yes it is. So I'm excited about this episode now. They get they go on a ship? That's gonna be cool. Alright, well before I um jump fully into this episode, I just want to here I gotta here we go. <clears throat> I had to put my phone over there. It's dying, it's got low battery. <clears throat> um I wanted to let you know, for those of you that are new to the podcast and you're enjoying Silver Spoons, that there are ways to follow the podcast. You can do so on the Facebook page. Together we're going to find our way on Unofficial Silver Spoons Podcast. Or you can go to Instagram and follow along there at Silver Spoons Podcast. Also, if you're wanting to express how much you love the podcast, you love Silver Spoons, you think I'm doing a wonderful job, go to iTunes and, and leave a review under the Punky Power slash Silver Spoons podcast. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me in the podcast personally, you can do so by sending me an email at silverspoonspodcast at gmail.com. You can also message, comment on the SoundCloud account. As well as send me a message on the Facebook page and Instagram as well. So, I look forward to hearing you. Hearing from you. My goodness, guys. It's been a very long day. I um, came back from a baby shower about... God, what time is it? It's 7.41, so I got home just before 3 o'clock. It was a good day. You know, I got to see my, my grandma and I got to see other family members and it was just it was fun um we played a game of bingo which the squares all had like baby items and depending on the mother to be who was opening the presents depending on what she opened we had to like just cross off and if we whoever got five in a row at, um won the game and my aunt janice who was sitting at my table and then another girl who i'm not sure what her name was but uh, she also won, and maybe a couple other people won too, because uh, it was it was a fun day. Um, it was actually held at a country club, and um, I had a couple of pieces of pizza because I barely had breakfast. I like got one of those Golden Grahams treat bars from Wesco. That was my breakfast, the little bit I ate of it. So I was pretty hungry by the time I got to that country club. <laughs> oh, and a funny thing, real quick. Um, <laughs> I was going to the bathroom. It was a very nice, elegant bathroom. And I f was not the only one who did this. There's this large mirror on the wall. And I kept walking towards it like, oh! And I, I was thinking in my mind like, oh, that person's like wearing my clothes. I almost 
almost hit that mirror <laughs> until I realized, like, I, I kind of stepped back, like, well, wait a minute, this, because I stuck my finger out, I'm like, oh, that's a mirror, <laughs> and then I saw the door was right there, so, um, and then when I was getting ready to go, I had to go to the bathroom again. My aunt, my Aunt Debbie, <laughs> said she almost walked into that mirror. I wonder how many other people had almost walked into that mirror, because it's right there. But, okay, let's get into this uh, podcast episode. So the episode opens up in the living room, and Kate is back on the walkie-talkie. She's staring out the windows there. And, of course, we hear Edward's code name, which is Captain Danger. She's trying to get a hold of Edward. Oh, of course, her code name is Foxy Lady. She's like, come in, Captain Danger. This is Foxy Lady. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Apparently... That walkie-talkie thing is on a different signal because he got she got some truck driver named Hank. Like, whoa. At first I wasn't sure. I'm like, wow, Edward's got one of those um, auctioneer-type voices. But no, it wasn't him. It was like uh, Hank something or other. But I'm going to play this clip because this is funny. Okay, so the guy's name is Highway Hank, and he wants to know her, like, 1020, and she's like, excuse me? And he's basically saying, well, I want to know your location. I want to, like, uh, you know, truck on by to where you're at and uh, show you my (laughs) rig. Like, this guy's being very suggestive. And she basically tells him, uh, Hank, you can keep on trucking, because... No, thank you. I'm not interested, basically. <laughs> okay, so now we got Ricky and Edward. They are on the train, and they're coming past the windows. Oh, I see there's, like, a little thing of um, hot peanuts on, like, a little end table that's across from where the arcades are, the arcade games. And then there's this really cool carousel thing that's kind of sitting on top of this Hot peanuts thing looks almost like a toaster oven, like a, a a heater type thing. All right, so the Stratton men they uh, make their way on the train into the living room, and they've been fishing. And Kate kind of tells Edward, "Well, I expected you back like an hour ago. What happened?" And Edward gets off the train, and he kind of explains to her about the art of fishing, how it, you know, takes a certain tactic and everything like that. And, of course, Ricky pulls out of the, um, little, uh, fish basket where they keep the fish. It's wrapped up. So, in other words, they just picked up, um, fish from, like, a store to eat and it's wrapped up in like um like wax paper or something and um 
we see that it's like 7.50 on there. Um, Edward kind of chastises Ricky like, I thought we weren't going to mention this. And Kate is like, well, I, I kind of think I would have figured it out. I mean, because there's like 7.50 a pound written on the the paper here. So, so Kate says she's got some exciting news as she brings over the little notepad. She says she got a a call from a reporter who would like to interview Ricky. And Ricky is like all about this. Like, a reporter? Wow. So, Ricky's like, oh, really? Why does he want to interview me? And Kate says, well, he, this guy found out that you were voted like the computer whiz of your weekend computer camp. So you're basically an expert. And so that's pretty cool. That's great. How did he find that out? I mean, this is pre-internet and stuff like that. Word must travel fast. I mean, like I said, you know, this is the episode with Gary Coleman, who plays Arnold Jackson on Different Strokes, and I haven't seen all of that show, but I do believe, yeah, he was a reporter later on on the show for his school. And, you know, being they both live in New York, maybe he's searching for, you know, People that are really, you know, kids that are really into computers and stuff like that. So, so I can imagine Ricky would be honored. Me, I'd be honored, but I'd be a smidge, just a smidge on the suspicious side. Like, why did he seek me out? Yes, clearly, I'm a genius at computers. Not me, Angela Bowen, personally, but um, Ricky, as Ricky would probably. Mm. Hi, Kate, how's everything going? <clears throat> Well, Kate, we got caught up in the classic struggle of man against fish. <laughs> See, in order to be a good fisherman, you've got to have perseverance, intuition, courage. And a charge account of Bert's fish market. <laughs> I thought we weren't going to tell her. Oh, I would have found out eventually. Word travels fast at 7.95 pounds. <laughs> oh, listen, I have some exciting news. A reporter called, and he wants to interview Ricky. A reporter? Mm-hmm. Why does he want to interview me? He wants to talk to you about computers. He heard that you were named Mr. Software at Lake Winnemucca's weekend computer camp. <laughs> what a proud moment that was, too, Kate. I wish you'd been there to see Ricky receive his trophy from Chief Floppy Disk himself. <laughs> Listen, I told that reporter that you were going to be home over an hour ago, so you better hurry up and change before he gets here. <laughs> Can you believe it? I'm going to be interviewed by a big-time reporter. I wonder where he's from. Newsweek, Life Magazine, New York Times. Oh, so okay, so it was called Mr. Software. Ricky was named Mr. Software. Lake Lake Winnemucca at the weekend computer camp. Wow. So it was just one weekend? And of course, Edward's saying what a proud moment that was. So Edward didn't get to see this as... Ricky received his award from Mr. Chief Floppy Disk. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so, of course, Ricky is like, I wonder who count, what uh, a reporter that, you know, is coming to see me. I wonder what magazine he's from. Like, Newsweek or Times or, or one of those other, you know, magazines. And, of course, as he 
opens the door on the door opener. Gary Coleman with this biggest smile on his face. And he's got this like long strap around his neck that's holding this um camera. Like, oh. So, at 1982 then Gary Coleman would have been in the fourth season of Different Strokes of the Different Strokes at the time, and he would have been about 14. So, and Kate, of course, does remind Ricky, it's like, um, he called, you know, he was gonna be here about, he called over an hour ago, so you're gonna wanna get upstairs and get dressed, you know. Cause they've been fishing and stuff, but, I mean, Ricky, I like, he's wearing an orange sweater with a orange button-up underneath, cause you can see the collar. That's like, I think that's a cute almost for Halloween. Orange on orange. But, um, Kate, is, Kate says you're going to want to get upstairs and get changed, you know, so you look good for your interview. Of course, it's too late because the uh, doorbell rings, so. Oh, New York Times! That was one of the other. All right. and a whistle from somebody in the audience. And Because oh, <laughs> I did watch um, most of the first season of Different Strokes when I had had the DVDs. And Gary Coleman has got the biggest smile on his face. Like, he is so happy to be there. Although Ricky looks a little nervous. Like, oh, I mean, the, the character, you know, he was probably expecting, like, an adult or something. But then again... Kate and Edward were probably expecting an adult to show up, too. Like, I don't think he ever mentioned that he was a school reporter over the phone. But then again, we didn't hear the conversation he had with Kate. So we don't know. So the PS89 Woodpecker. Or interesting um, newspaper. That, or uh, school newspaper. I, I like the motto is all the news that's fit to Xerox. So basically just whatever they can copy out of papers or Xerox out of papers and stuff like that. I guess. Because I'm sure along with whatever's going on with the school, whether it's like sports, um, you know, awards and um, National Honors Society or whatever, they probably also do current events, I would imagine. So, uh, Ricky gets over his shock pretty quickly, and he introduces Arnold to his dad, Edward Stratton, and, of course, his dad's secretary, Kate Summers. 
and Arlo goes to shake their hands. So, Arlo's kind of looking around. He's like, wow, so this is your living room, huh? Where's the game room? And do, doesn't um, Mr. Drummond, doesn't he have a game room in, in his place? I can't remember. And um, so Edward kind of asks, like, so um, Arnold, how long have you been a, a reporter? And <laughs> Arnold's like, oh, yeah, for like years and years. Well, half a semester. <laughs> and of course, it, it's funny. It's just, you know, Edward and Kate find that funny. I think that, you know, Joel, you know, Joel Higgins, who plays Edward and um, Aaron Gray plays um, Kate, I, I think they gotta find that pretty comical, this guy. I'm sure they, they probably watch different strokes. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's on the same network. So, <laughs> and different strokes had been on the air for at least, that they were in their fourth season, so. So, Ricky's like, hey, Arnold, you wanna see the computer? And Arnold's like, yeah, sure. He's like, well, Excuse me, it's it's in the study, and Edward offers Arnold, you know, whether he wants, like, cookies, you know, milk, s snacks, or whatever, you know, just let him know, and, um, Ricky does point down to, uh, the little train engine there, he asks that, um, Arnold, like, hey, um, do you want to, uh, take the train there, or do you want to walk? And... Edward, er, bleh. see, no, oh, my goodness gracious sake, Arnold and Ed, I don't know, they, those names don't even really sound that similar, but Arnold just kind of is like, eh, and Ricky's like, you know what, it's a nice day, I think we'll walk the, uh, five feet to the doors to the, uh, study there, and once they're in the study, Ricky kind of asks, like, I, I don't know why you want to interview me, you know, I'm just a normal, regular kid. So I'm gonna play this clip. Let's let's find out. I really would like to know why why um Arnold picked Ricky. Not just because he won the Mr. Software Award for at the camp computer chip. Weekend computer camp. nothing special. And then he goes over to his trophy and kind of puts his face up alongside it for a pose as Arnold snaps a picture of him. <laughs> Aww. Like, oh, here, get me with this. Get me with my trophy. This trophy that I got. So, Arnold kind of starts off the interview. Is he recording that? Because he's got a little box near his, 
his hip area. I'm like, I wonder if it's got a microphone attached to it because it doesn't look like he's recording. He's probably just kind of fishing for a subject to use for, you know, Ricky with the computers. So he asked the basic question, why computers? What made you get into the computers? And Ricky's statement is, well, computers are the wave of the future. And I'd be like, if I were Arnold, like, oh, yeah, well, that's great, of course. I'm sure they're going to be the wave of the future, or they are. But personally, yourself, why did you get into them? And not just because they're the quote-unquote wave of the future, but your own personal interests. And I like what Ricky says. Pretty soon you'll be able to do this, 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 and this with computers. All of that is so true. Your banking, your shopping, your health. It's interesting that you pretty much can do all of that with computers, but now you can also do that with your telephone. But I didn't think, I mean, even back then, we could even have fathomed what would become of the telephone. Because, yeah, you can do, basically, your phone is a computer. It connects to the internet. You can do your shopping, your banking. You can take pictures. You can record. But you can do it all. You can do everything, almost, uh, almost everything, with your phone. And Arnold's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. You know, I'm sure, you know, computers are going to be able to do so much of that stuff. But... That's not really a story. Arnold's probably looking for some type of juicy story. Maybe um, maybe not so much a scandal, but just something that can be front page news that he can actually use. And Ricky says something about you can also... Um, oh, no, he was talking about, um, you know, you because know, Arnold's ready to get off the door. He's like, you know, I can't. There's nothing here that I can really use that's really... They're going to put us on page nine. This is just not interesting. He's like, I'm going to go. And then Ricky's like, well, wait a minute. I thought, you know, you know, we could visit and stuff. And Arnold, he's not about that. He, he's like, I came here to get a story. You clearly do not have one. I like how he, he also says, you know, you can even play video games on computers. You can also play video games on your phone. Um, wouldn't it have been cool if Ricky learned how to, like, create, like, an app, although, or maybe, um, make his own little computer program or something like that. <laughs> but also, you know, he says how you, one day we'll be able to do everything on computers, but like I said, Arnold's not into that, he doesn't really, it's not enough for him. Oh, oh, this is interesting! He says, well, we need special stories at the, you know, the woodpecker paper. Can you embezzle a million dollars for this thing? Wow, you know what? The movie Blank Check wouldn't be out for at least another 12 years. <laughs> that, that is exactly where my mind went when he said embezzle a million dollars. Like, give Ricky a blank check and see what he can do with that. I don't know. And then Ricky kind of looks at him, almost rolling his eyes like, Arnold, like, seriously, you can't do that. <laughs> this is a, well, is his, is Arnold's character supposed to be in high school? And you're looking for stories like embezzlement and stuff like that? 
I mean, I guess I wouldn't put it past a kid if they could try to do that. I mean, wow, they would probably be like a genius if they could come up with a scheme like that. So, Ricky is talking about, like, talking to the computer or getting into... This is where it gets very confusing for me. Some trans-allied industries, which is... He's basically getting into files he should not be getting into. Like, whoever this company is, they're not, like, covering up their tracks or they're not putting, like, access denied or whatever. Ricky, I don't know how he got into this or whether he'd been looking at this prior to um, his visit with Arnold, but... Wow. It's just... Security measures for that place... Uh, they're gonna get in trouble for that. And I could see, um... So, basically what Ricky's doing is hacking into... Wow. <laughs> but I'm gonna play this clip. Maybe you guys can make a little more out of this than I can. Okay, so Ricky hacks into this military operation as he's popping in letters and numbers and it flashes on the screen for a bit and then we see Starlight 2000 Top Secret Information Code Red. And the boys are both excited that they cracked this code to get into these military plans for this fighter jet. And I'm not sure what what is going on here with the audience reaction. It's just they're it's like shock, surprise, and they're laughing. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he actually did it. Oh my gosh. Like okay. Well, the next scene, Ricky's playing Swamp Wars and there is a knock at the door or the do doorbell's ringing. So, 
I don't believe Ricky's expecting anyone. I don't see anyone else there with him. I'm not sure where Edward and Kate are. They might be in the... <coughs> they might be in the study working. Oh, also, after they crack the code, they see the, the plans for the uh, top secret information. Arnold takes a picture of it with Ricky in front of the camera, or in front of the, next to the computer, almost with his cheek resting up against it and smiling, like, yeah, that's gonna look real great when the FBI break down your door. <laughs> oh, well, it's not the FBI, it's, um, it's Arnold, and it looks like he's got a proof from, of the article before it goes to print. So I'm going to play this clip. It's Arnold, and he's got the new issue of his school's paper that's got the headline about whiz kid or computer whiz cracks government code gets top secret mission plans. And I don't know whether Ricky Schroeder, who plays Ricky Stratton, still got a lisp because he is about 12. But when he congratulates Arnold, the way he says it, and I'll play the clip, he says, nice job, Arnold, or Arnold, or, or it just, it, it doesn't, I don't know. And, you know, I'm not making fun of the kid at all. It's just, his line delivery is just little, uh, felt off there, but I'll play this clip. Also, beforehand, um, before I play it, I'm just surprised that I mean, Ricky's, like, excited, like, oh, great, this is awesome. Not at all suspicious, not so much suspicious, but more of, he's not concerned at all that this could get out to other people, like the government finding out. The government's not going to read some random school paper. But if it gets in the wrong hands, they could be notified. So, Edward, prepare for your computer to be seized. did use Ricky's name because Ricky was worried like, well, at least you didn't use my name. Oh, source confirmed by Ricky Stratton. Uh, Arnold, you shouldn't have done that. At least you didn't use the picture of the plane. Uh, well, I guess you didn't need to check out, uh, page three. 
wow, this thing covers three pages. <laughs> and he's like, dang it, Arnold, you should not have done that. And all of a sudden, there's a pounding on the door saying, FBI, open up. And of course, the boys like run around the corner. Like, great, we're going to get in big trouble. Like, yeah, you probably are. Because now, the door, they're knocking at the door again, and down comes Edward. I'm surprised he didn't come down when he heard Ricky kind of argumentatively yelling at Arnold a little bit. But no, of course, like, oh, I gotta open the door here. <laughs> great. I wonder, are they going to, is the FBI going to steal, or not steal, I'm sorry, are they going to seize Edward's computer because of the uh, information that Ricky took from it? Unless he, like, saved the plans onto the computer, I don't really, I, I don't know how that works. We'll find out, though. Hi, can I help you? Hello, <laughs> I'm Agent McConnell, this is Agent Ferguson, we're with the FBI. Does Ricky Stratton live here? Yeah, I'm his father. Is anything wrong? I'd like you to take a look at this, sir. Weekly Woodpecker. Oh, this is Arnold's newspaper. Notice the headline. Room 12 gets a new blackboard. <laughs> Not that headline. This one. Your son and his friend Arnold have stolen top-secret military plans. The Starlight 2000 is a supersonic fighter plane. It's the most highly sophisticated piece of weaponry in America's arsenal. Gee, and it's a great picture of it, too. <laughs> Foreign intelligence organizations have been trying desperately to get a hold of this information. Now, the whole sixth grade knows about it. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was just an innocent mistake. Listen, these kids are in serious trouble. Well, it seems that they have committed a breach of national security. And that spells treason, buddy. And treason in this country is punishable by death. So apparently there's more than one of those door opener things. Because Ricky used one, I believe, to open the door when Arnold came through. Then when Edward comes down the stairs, he's got one. So he opens the door for the FBI. And basically the FBI wastes no time to say, does Ricky Stratton live here? And... Edward said, yes, he's my son. Is something wrong? And that's when the FBI has a copy. The two FBI agents have a copy of the school newspaper. And they're saying how this is classified information. And how um, the foreign intel or whoever or have been trying to get this information about this fighter jet. They say it's a supersonic fighter jet or something. And they've been trying for years to try to, t you know, steal the plans or steal their idea. And, of course, the guy who looks familiar because he was in season two of Punky Brewster. He played Candace Cameron's character's father. Um, she was Julie slash Jennifer Whitney. Um, he played Richard Whitney. The guy who uh, took his daughter away from her mother <clears throat> in the Milk Does the Body Good episode. Anyway, he's saying that now the whole sixth grade knows it and possibly other people. And if this information gets out, they say that Ricky committed treason and it's, or fraud or whatever and it's punishable by death. Which, 
then we the camera moves over to Ricky and Arnold's expressions, which are a pure horror, and they're scared. And we hear the audience. It's like an act break with the audience that are clapping. I'm like, why? What is that? The reaction you're looking for? I don't hear. Oh, whoa! Oh my gosh! Okay, so the audience does go, whoa. And then we kind of see Arnold mouthing the word death. And then he looks up at Ricky and it's like, death. Like, oh, do you know how deep you're in, Arnold? And Ricky. Because Ricky's the one that said this whole thing. to him. He was basically looking to impress Arnold. Like, Arnold wanted a story. Ricky didn't have it. And Ricky came up with this thing. So... My guess is Ricky's been kind of tooling around with the computer and trying to, you know, break, you know, hack into things, break codes and all that stuff. Especially when it comes to, um, government. And, like, oh, this will impress him. Let me break into the government code and find out what they're up to in the military. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. But, and then the other, so the security guy that was um, Candace Cameron's father in Punky Brewster in season two was all like treason is punishable in this country by by death. Like, they're 12. Well, at least Ricky's 12. I mean, Arnold's gotta be like 14, a couple years older, but like, come on. Least thing they would even get would be a slap on the wrist. So the boys are freaked out. Even Edward is like, when they come back from commercial, he's like, the death penalty. Like, he's probably like, give me a break. They're children. And Edward's like, yeah, that is a little harsh. Couldn't I just ground him for like a month or something? I mean, my gosh. And the FBI agent, though... The dark-haired guy, because there's the dark-haired guy and the blonde-haired guy from Punky Brewster. Uh, the dark-haired guy says, hey, we'd like to speak to your son. And Edward's like, wait a minute, you don't have a right to be charging in here de making demands. I'm an American citizen. And, of course, the blonde-haired guy pulls up a search warrant. Wow. Yeah, they don't mess around. <laughs> it's not like they, when... They opened that he opened the door to them that they had guns drawn or anything like that. This isn't the SWAT team, it's the FBI. The death penalty? Isn't that a little harsh? Couldn't I just ground him for a month or something? <laughs> We'd like to speak to your son. Now, wait a minute, just hold on. You can't go barging in here. I'm an American citizen, I have my rights. We have a search warrant. All right, come on in. <laughs> no barging. Ricky! Hey, Rick! He was down here a minute ago. Check the backyard. We'll be in the back. So, of course, being they have a search warrant, what else is Edward going to do? Like, fine, yeah, you can look around. And Edward calls out for Ricky. Like, Ricky, you here? Oh, he's not here. I don't know where he is. He was here, like, five seconds ago. So, uh, the FBI agents decide to search the premises, search outside. Of course, as they're wa the FBI agents are walking past the uh, ar arcade games, 
Okay, the blonde hair's guy, guy, his name, we learn, is Ferguson, as the brunette, uh, dark-haired guy kind of calls to him from outside. Ferguson, get over here! Because I see the guy that's kind of, like, playing with the buttons for a split second. Like, oh, this is interesting. The guy's clearly, Ferguson is easily distracted. But he immediately, like, becomes really professional. All, and just uh, continues walking outside as Edward follows him. So Arnold is sitting on what looks like a shoe shine box almost, but it's got a little statue on it. And Ricky is underneath the table. It's kind of funny how um, Ricky's wearing a green sweater and Arnold is wearing a red coat. And I'm thinking Christmas colors. But Arnold says, hey, we gotta get out of here. We cannot stick around because they are gonna find us. You might as well just go out the front door. I mean, I don't know if um, the backyard in any way can connect to the front door in any way, so. That might be their best bet. Although, if you remember, the backyard is miles and miles upon acres and acres wide, so they'll be searching for a while, so. Get what you need, get out of there. <laughs> Although, in a better world, it'd probably be best if you just fess up and, you know, they'll hopefully take you seriously and drop the charges. Wait a minute. Let's wait till the FBI leaves and we'll talk to my dad. You want to get him into trouble, too? You used his computer. He's an ambassador before the fact. <laughs> right, but couldn't we throw ourselves at the mercy of the FBI? What mercy? Did the FBI show any mercy to John Dillinger, Al Capone, or Baby Seal Nelson? <laughs> That's Baby Face Nelson. <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> Who's got babier faces than us? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I don't want to run, but, but those feds are talking tough. <laughs> Espionage. Treason. The death penalty. <laughs> we gotta get out of here. Ricky's like, hey, let's wait till the FBI leaves. We'll talk to my dad. And of course, Arnold's like, yeah, you want to get him into trouble too? You were using... Arnold brings up a great point. He, Ricky was using Edward's computer. So, that could hold him liable as well. And... I just noticed that 
I think Edward's wearing a members only jacket. So Ricky's thinking we should just throw ourselves on the mercy of the FBI. And Arnold was like, did the FBI show any mercy to John Dillinger? So I had to look up John Dillinger. And it says he was an American gangster in the Depression era United States. Hold on a second. Let's see. What else does this say here? Um, blah, 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 blah. Operated with a group of men known as the Dillinger Gang or Terror Gang, which was accused of robbing 24 banks and four police stations, among other activities. Dillinger escaped from jail twice, charged but never con convicted of murder of East Chicago, Indiana. Police officer was shot, blah, 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 blah. Ew. Yeah, that guy's got a... Yeah, he looks like, um... He looks weird. <clears throat> Actually, he looks like someone who would, like, work in a bank or something. I, I, don't, I don't know. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, when Arnold said Dillinger, I don't know why I thought Jeffrey Dahmer. Because <laughs> they are not even remotely. One's a gangster, one's somebody who murders and does weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to read up on Jeffrey Dahmer because um, <laughs> I want to have nice dreams at night. So Ricky and Arnold kind of argue about where they should run away to. And uh, Arnold says the French Foreign Legion. And Ricky's like, hey, why don't we do... Because he also suggests like hobos or something. But Ricky's like, I'm too clean cut for that. So Ricky finally suggests a tramp steamer. And where they can, you know, run away and do that. And um, Arnold doesn't know what a tramp steamer is. It's... That's going to be something like a boat. Like a, a boat. So. The boys end up heading out the front door. So, they're gone. Didn't take anything but the clothes on their backs. Oh, um, the other people that Arnold mentioned were Al Capone and Baby... Well, he says Baby Seal Nelson... But Ricky corrects him, saying it's Babyface Nelson. <laughs> oh, oh, the oh, the thing about um, where to Arnold said where do crooks like hide out or something, and Ricky says something about hey we could always go to Washington D.C. and something about crooks in the White House. Like okay, whoever yeah, someone wrote that line was uh, I don't know the whole thing was. The Watergate scandal came to mind and, and Nixon and whatever. I don't know all of the facts about that stuff, but something about that came to mind. So so the boys stow away on this ship and they're in a trunk that's on the outside. And at first I'm like, is Arnold's eyes glowing? But I'm like, no, that's just the whites of his eyes. Like, oh, okay, okay. So when they open up the top of that trunk, Arnold complains about being seasick. And Ricky's like, uh, we haven't even left the dock yet. You'd think they were staying in there for a, in that trunk for a long time. Oh, thank you, Arnold, for correcting me. It's not a trunk. It's a crate, and it's filled with cheese. That's going to smell after a while. Unless it's refri a refrigerating crate, but I doubt it. So Ricky tells... Arnold, that if they wait, if they ask for the cat, if they ask the cabin for a job now, then the worst the guy can say is no. But if we wait until we're actually out on the sea, then he'll have to give us a job. Well, either that or he'll just toss you overboard without a life uh, preserver. 
Ew, Limburger? I've never smelled Limburger cheese. I don't think I want to, because expression on Arnold's face is a bleh. clip ricky and arnold do get caught by one of the crew members who is very muscly and he does have a tattoo and he's got a shaved head um and he pulls ricky out of that cheese crate and ricky says well me and my friend here we want to stay on we want to be crew members and the guy just kind of holds Ricky in midair, you know, under his armpits. Like, yeah, you want to stay, huh? Of course, the captain comes down and says, hey, what's going on? And the bald man says, the crew member says, uh, these two stowaways here want to be hired on as crew members. And the captain says, hey, let, let me take care of this here. Uh, Ricky says that they want to be hired as cabin boys. Okay, that's what it is. Because the captain calls them stowaways, which is what they are, even though they haven't left the dock yet. So, the captain asks Ricky what his name is, and Ricky says, I'm Ricky Strat- I mean, Ricky Strutterd. <laughs> and the captain just kind of glowers at Arnold and is like, who are you? And Arnold's like, I'm his brother, Arnold. And the boys kind of hog like they're, Lacey, we're brothers. <laughs> so the captain, of course, says, have you ever sailed before? And Arnold's like, yeah, of course. What do you think we are, land lovers? I think he means land lovers. And the captain asks, what do you know about sailing? And Ricky's like, well, a lot. I mean, I've seen every episode of The Love Boat. And, of course, the captain is like, I hate that show. <laughs> and Ricky's like, oh, I mean, yeah, I just watch it for the nautical stuff. As in, he probably's like, I just watch it for all the, um, stuff and dealing with, like, the ship and everything. I don't really care about the actual stories and the characters. <laughs> So, the captain decides, you know, I might be able to use a couple cabin boys. Here, what I want you guys to do, here's um, some wax for you, and here is a rag for you, Arnold. And you will wipe down all of these railings from stem to stern until they shine and I can basically see my face in them. 
So, and Ricky's like, oh, um, well, what about, like, an orientation or something like that? I mean, and the captain's like, uh, no, you're not, we're not doing that. <laughs> so, um, I think the captain thinks if he gives them a crappy job that the boys will realize this is more than I want to do and they will just, you know, give up and leave, hopefully. Because, come on, I'm sure he can See, you know, these are a couple of well-to-do kids. They probably run away from home and want to do the whole fantasy thing of jumping aboard a steamboat like Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn or some other boy that wants to run away. Like, almost like running away with a circus, but instead they're, like, hopping a steamboat. They've read too many books and watched too many TV shows in regards to this stuff. It's not, yeah... So I'm going to play this clip. Aye, sir. Captain Stark. Always, huh? Come up here. We were hoping to be hired as cabin boys. What's your name? I'm Ricky Stratton. I'm Ricky Strudgeman, sir. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, I'm his brother Arnold. <laughs> Sailed before? Yeah. What do you think we are? Land blubbers? <laughs> what do you know about ships? A lot. I've seen every episode of Love Boat. <laughs> I hate that show. <laughs> Me too. I just watch it for the nautical stuff. <laughs> well, I might be able to use a couple of cabin boys. Think you lads are up to it? Yeah, sure. You can lay aloft and clear a foul topping lift in the middle of a Grand Bank Norwester. <laughs> can we lay aloft? <laughs> no sweat. All right, then. You men are now crew members of the Gnarly Dog. Finest bucket ever to limp across the seven seas. Welcome aboard. <laughs> I give you a fair warning. You work for Captain Stark. You work hard. Be leaving port in an hour. My Paul Anchor, I want to see that railing gleam from stem to stern. We're working so soon? Don't we get an orientation lecture or something? Open <laughs> your jaws, polish. So the boys start polishing the railing, and as the one um, bald headed crew member walks past. <laughs> The captain, like, flicks a match, like, right across the guy's ear or something as he walks past, and it lights, and he, of course, uh, starts up his, uh, his, his pipe, like, lights the tobacco in it. And Arnold and Ricky look at each other, like, oh my god, this guy is, uh, wow. So I thought the captain was just gonna, like, okay, well, I'll leave you boys to it. No, he actually sits down and is probably going to watch these kids. Like, I'm, because he does say, we're going to be shipping off in about an hour, and by the time we're ready to sail out, I want to see those, um, railings glistening. And I think... He pretty much thinks that those boys, no, they're not going to last even until, 
they're not going to last the hour that it'll take for them to uh, shove off. So he's like, yeah, just uh, these boys that have been handed everything to them. No, no, they're not into hard work. <laughs> so now while the captain's smoking his pipe, he's kind of, you know, he wants to learn a little bit of uh, background. Like, why are you boys here? What are you running from? <laughs> are the boys going to tell them, tell him the truth, though? I'm kind of curious if they're going to make up a story. So kind of, <laughs> Ricky says, oh, well, well, what do you mean? Um, what are you talking about? He's, he's kind of playing dumb. Uh, the captain's like, well, usually boys your age, uh, they're, they're clearly, they're running from something if they're here. Which my guess is the captain's probably seen some boys come through there from time and again. They're running away from home. They think it's better if they disappear for a while and join a tramp steamer. So, uh, the captain's like, usually boys running from, you know, parents, police, you know, that sort of thing. And Ricky's like, oh, well, we're not running from anybody, especially not the FBI. And Arnold just looks at him like, oh, Ricky, seriously? <laughs> well, at least I'm sure the captain knows if he keeps talking to the boys and asking them questions, he's going to get the truth out of them eventually. And the captain kind of raises an eyebrow at the FBI. He's like, the FBI? And Ricky makes up this name on his feet. The Franklin Boys Institute. <laughs> the Franklin Boys Institute. That sounds like, uh, I don't know. It almost makes me think like a boys school or something. So the captain kind of tells the boys about his story. Of, I think he must have run away when he was a young boy and jumped a tramp steamer and how he went to Havana and Singapore and rats and stuff like that. So he's kind of trying to, I think he's trying to paint a picture of just how bad his experience was. Like, you boys, you don't want this kind of life. This isn't for you. You guys should go home to your parents and just deal with whatever is going on. It'll be a lot less difficult if you just fess up to whatever you did. Who are you lads running from? What, what do you mean, Captain? Well, meet your age usually running from something. Parents. Police. Uh, uh, we're not running from anybody. Especially not the FBI. <laughs> FBI? Yeah, the, um, the, the Franklin Boys Institute. The FBI. It's on, um, it's on Rowling Street. It's a building with windows. You've probably seen it. Polish. Now <laughs> oh, I look at you two, I think of me 40 years ago. I remember like it was yesterday. I signed on as a cabin boy on a leaky tub running sugar out of Havana. At least it was sugar when we left Havana. By the time I got to Singapore, cargo hold full of rats, bad teeth. <laughs> but I learned to love the sea. Of course, every once in a while I think about the people I left behind, family, friends. Sometimes I can still hear their voices, the sounds of the sea. 
Did you ever see your family again? No, no. But it doesn't matter. Uh, I've got my own family right here and the gnarly dog. Patch, chinless Chuck, the Turk, Peeping Tom. Hiya, Tom. So the captain's name is Captain Stark and he tells the boys about how he kind of gave up, you know, his family, his friends and everything and made a life out on the sea. And he says, sometimes I can even hear their voices in the water. And, oh, oh, I guess he said uh, when he had first started out on the ship or a ship. They were going from either Savannah, Havana, or somewhere to Singapore, and it was sugar that they were taking over there, but by the time they got to Singapore, it was filled with rats with bad teeth. <laughs> well, yeah, rats, I'm sure they'll eat quite a bit. Um, and he does say something kind of important is once I started running, it's kind of hard to not stop running. And Ricky kind of says, well, did you ever see your family again? And Captain Stark says, no, I didn't. I kind of made a family on the boat here with the uh, other uh, crew members. And he says, um, peeping Tom. And as he says it, some guy kind of peeps in the little, um, the little, uh, window. I know there's a name for it, but I can't think of it. For the little windows there. Um, and some other guy. And he says, Mad Dog. And of course, Arnold's like, M -m 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 Mad Dog? Like, he's freaked out. He's like, yeah, sometimes Mad Dog will come up here and he'll gnaw on the timber or something like that. And <clears throat> Captain Stark kind of goes through uh, the swinging doors into the ship. And Ricky and Arnold just look at each other like, alright, let's go home. And the boys leave and... Captain Stark comes out, he's still smoking his pipe, and he kind of chuckles to himself like, yeah, I, I kind of figured the boys would, um, they'd leave if I told the story. Like, always works. So, Edward is kind of, he's pacing back and forth in the living room, he's kind of worrying the back of his head, and we got both the... FBI agents are still there. It is dark out, and one of them is on the phone trying to um, get with some people. Of course, the blonde-haired one, Mr. I'm gonna call him Mr. F. Ferguson. Ferguson, I think. He is sitting on the train. He's got the conductor hat on, and he's got 
something in his his hand. He's going boop boop like like a train. He's imitating a train, and Edward just kind of pro- looks at him, like, probably thinking like, "Hey, you're having fun there? <laughs> All this trouble you caused? Well, he didn't really cause it. Ricky and Arnold were uh, doing things they probably shouldn't have been doing, and I kind of bet now. I bet that." Edward's going to say, Ricky, because of what you've done, you are not going near the computer for a while. So Kate comes in and she found the note from the boys in the mailbox. So I'm going to play this clip. Edward, I found this note in the mailbox. Dear Dad, I know I did a real bad thing and I don't want you to get in trouble for my mistake. I think it's best for everybody if I just disappear. I love you, your son, Ricky. P.S. Your Evening with Danny Thomas album is in the hall closet. (laughs) Well, that's a coded message if I ever heard one. (laughs) Kate, I'm going out of my mind with worry. I know. Ricky's out there someplace lonely, afraid, hungry. He could be hurt. Could be... McConnell, do something. You gotta find my son. We're doing everything we can, Mr. Stratton. Don't forget, we're the FBI. (laughs) If those kids are anywhere in this country, we'll find them. Finest, most thorough law enforcement organization in the history of the world. There's no way two 12-year-old kids can elude us. So, Edward reads the note from Ricky, who says, Dad, I did a bad thing. I don't want to get you into any trouble. Then you probably already are. So I'm going to up and leave. And he says his dad's Danny Thomas album is in the closet. And then, of course, Ferguson's like, oh, well, that's a coded message if I ever heard of one. And Edward's getting really worried. He is really, like, my son is out there. He's alone. He's scared. And... Yeah, he, there's just nothing that he, you know he can do, and he turns to the FBI. And he's like, "My son is out there. Please, can you find him? You got to do something." And of course, the dark-haired guy is like, "Sir, Mr. Sham, we we are doing everything we possibly can, possibly can to find your son." And then, of course, Ferguson's all like, "Well, there's no way the two twelve-year-old boys could outrun the FBI or something to that effect." And that's when Ricky and Arnold walk in the door. Yeah. They got some splaining to do. No way two 12-year-old kids can elude us. Hello. Uh, later, kid, I'm talking. <laughs> Our agents are forever. Ricky! <laughs> Arnold! Are you all right? Fine. Arnold, are you all right? Yeah, but you better hug me to make sure. Oh. <laughs> I guess it's time to face the music, huh? Listen, sirs, we didn't mean to give away any military information. Would you accept our apologies? Uh, and a dollar? <laughs> so you think you can cute your way out of this? Well, let me tell you... Stop it! <laughs> scared these boys enough. Now look, boys, nobody is going to put anybody in jail. Arnold, they confiscated all the copies of the Weekly Woodpecker. And, Rick, all they want from you is the method you use to break their computer code. We've got to make sure that what you did can never happen again. Sure. Sure, I'll show you. Good. We'll send the computer experts over tomorrow. Ferguson, let's go. 
walk in and they're like oh hey and Ferguson is like not now kid I'm talking to like and Edward's like oh my god Ricky Arnold are you alright so Edward hugs Ricky and of course Kate goes over to Arnold like Arnold are you okay and Arnold's like yeah but I I could probably use a hug he was milking that he wanted that hug (laughs) so yeah so Ricky does face the FBI agents he says sirs I am sorry. We didn't mean for this information to get out where it shouldn't have. And do you accept our apologies? And Arnold's like, yeah, and I have a dollar here, too. <laughs> and um, Edward did say that all the copies of the Woodpecker Deuce letter at paper whatever at school has been confiscated. Um, they've removed all that information. So, really... Ricky just has to show them how he got into the program and got to those files. So that way they can see that and make sure that it never happens again. So. They're being really, really cool. Well, the dark-haired guy is. Ferguson's just a weirdo. He's just a nut. Cause he's like, hey, can I accompany the other people? Because the computer people are going to come to see how Ricky got into the program tomorrow. And Ferguson's like, can I accompany them? Because I want a chance to ride the train. And it's like, no, Ferguson, no, you can't do that. The FBI agents leave and Edward does take Ricky aside and says, son, please, if you are ever in any trouble, whether it's a bad grade, a broken window, or treason, please come talk to me. Don't just run away from your problems. Because whatever it is, I may be angry, but we can work this out together. Thanks, Dad. Son, if you're ever in any kind of trouble, no matter how bad, whether it's breaking a window, getting a bad grade, treason, (laughs) whatever it is, I want you to know you can always come to me, and we'll handle it together, okay? You bet, Dad. So Kate tells Arnold she talked to his father and Arnold's like, oh, is he mad? And she's like, well, let me put it to you this way. Does he normally like sputter and this and that? And Arnold's like, oh, yeah, he's mad. So Kate says, we will drive you home. And Edward's like, oh, um, Arnold, I have your camera here. And Ricky's like, hey, Dad, can you take a picture of me and Arnold, you know, for my scrapbook? And I'm kind of thinking, yeah, because Arnold is not going to be, he's not going to make another appearance on the show. So let's capture this moment. So, of course, as everyone says when they tell someone, you know, that they're taking a picture of them, like, say cheese. And at first, 
Ricky starts to smile, but then he kind of thinks it over. Like, they were just in a crate full of cheese. And Arnold and Ricky look at each other like, Ugh, I don't know, Dad, can you say something else? <laughs> so, this was a cute episode. I would say the rating for it is going to be... Hmm... How about three out of five? Three out of five trains. It was pretty average. <laughs> I liked the speech that the captain gave the boys because he knew that they were not going to stick around. Um, I also liked that, you know, Edward talked to Ricky like, hey, don't run away from your problems. Please come talk to me. Whatever it is, we will take care of it. We'll work it out together. And, um, I liked Ricky's comment about how the computers being the way of the future and pretty soon everyone will be able to, you know, uh, do their banking, their shopping and everything via computers. It's like, yes, Ricky, everyone will be able to do that and so much more with computers. Um, the two things I didn't really care for, I did not like the FBI agents, especially Ferguson. I did not like him. And, um, I don't know, I mean, the whole thing about the hacking into the the military program, I was like, eh, I don't know. Maybe because I just didn't understand really so much how he did it with the codes and stuff. That just kind of maybe went a little over my head, but, um, yeah. <clears throat> um, as far as for the Silver Spoonful, I'm gonna say, just like what Edward was saying, it's like, if you have a problem, go just talk to your parents. You know they're going to get angry. They most likely will. You will most likely be punished or grounded. But it's better to face your problems head on than to avoid them because then it will blow up and be something bigger than what it originally was. And I'm sure you'll be somewhat rewarded for your honesty and coming forward instead of hiding things. Trust me. I usually would hide things instead of coming forward with my problems growing up because I knew I was going to get in trouble. And that's always the kid's fear of admitting, you know, that they've done wrong. They know their kids know they're going to get in trouble. And that's why they feel like as long as I don't say anything, I'll be okay. I won't get punished. Well, if you keep it to yourself, the longer you keep it to yourself and you don't admit your honesty and your problem, it's going to be a lot worse. So just be open, be honest. Communication is key between parents and kids. Okay, so I'm really excited about next week's episode because I remember watching this. This is what I do remember watching a little bit when I um, had the DVD set originally back in uh, 2007. <coughs> Season 1, Episode 8... I'm just wild about Harry, which is a play on a song. I know that. This episode aired on November 13th, 1982. While out with Derek on a late night expedition to look for Bigfoot, Ricky captures and brings home an escaped orangutan that he wants to keep as a pet. So, okay, we do get a Der Derek in this episode. He's been kind of MIA for a couple episodes. <laughs> So this episode's got a 7.3 out of 10 based on 23 ratings. Okay. I want to 
see. Is there any connections from the last episode? <laughs> I didn't really. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, the love boat. Ricky tells Captain Stark that he's seen every episode. Different strokes. Arnold Jackson crosses over onto this series. And the great Muppet caper title reference. Oh, okay. The great computer caper. The great Muppet caper. Gotcha. Well, look forward to that cute episode coming next week. And let's say hey to some new podcast listeners. <coughs> I apologize for the coughing, guys. I really hope that I can get some answers eventually because this has been going on for too long. And I've been coughing so much today, just today, that my voice feels like it's starting to get a little hoarse. So, Sun Valley, Nevada, Atlanta, Georgia, Dallas, Texas, San Jose, California, Chicago, Illinois, Seattle, Washington, Clarksburg, West Virginia, New York City, New York, Los Angeles, California, Honolulu, Hawaii, Omaha, Nebraska, San Francisco, California, St. Louis, Missouri, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Anchorage, Alaska, Houston, Texas, Istanbul, Turkey, Stone Mountain, Georgia, Miami, Florida, Aurora, Ohio, Salem, Oregon, La Habra, California, Lebanon, Virginia, Des Moines, Iowa, Rentham, Canada, Milton Keynes, United Kingdom, San Jose, or San Jose, yeah, San Jose, Costa Rica, okay, La Canada, Flintridge, Canada, Drongen, Belgium, Phoenix, Arizona, Denver, Colorado, Cleveland, Ohio, High Point, North Carolina, Portage, Wisconsin, and Mountain View, California. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. It means so much to me. I'm so excited. As I've said, I'm so excited to doing this Silver Spoons podcast. I loved Punky Brewster. I still, actually yesterday, I did watch a few episodes of season two. The um, Love Thy Neighbor Halloween episode and then also some of the other episodes on that disc I watched were um, The Gift and what was the other one was just say no i watched that one also so even after i you know that i covered season two over a year ago and i still can watch the show and love it for what it is so all right guys that being said have a wonderful sunday evening and i will be back next week have a great week also. I hope the weather is treating you all wonderfully and that you're enjoying it. The color of the trees, the sweater weather, all of it. So, all right. Bye-bye. Yeah.